Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast. This is our special Reading Circle episode. Um, this is where the Women of Marvel assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. My name is Adri Cowan. I'm the social media manager. I'm Judy Stevens. I'm the associate producer. And we're bringing you two more editors from our lovely row. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm uh, Jake Thomas. I'm an assistant editor in the Tom Brevoort office. I'm Sana Amanet. I'm Daniel Ketchum, uh, editor in the X-Men office. So I think what's really interesting uh, about these sort of cross-event books is that both of you guys work in separate offices, but yet you're on the team of editors on this book. Um, sort of how does that come to be? Obviously, Distinctions that mean nothing to the people out in the world. <laughs> well, it's important to us because we do have, in the Marvel office behind the scenes, we have different pockets of editors that work on different types of books. Yeah, I think people don't realize that we're separated into little fiefdoms. Um, <laughs> it's like you've got the X-Men group and then the Marvel Heroes group. Um, Mark Panisha runs a group that's sort of like um, a bunch of the other Marvel heroes like Iron Man and Hulk. Uh, you've got Nick Lowe running the Spider-Man office. And so generally, we each sort of work within our groups and we know what's happening in our in our family of books and we contribute to, to some degree, to all the books within our families, but rarely do we travel outside. And so Uncanny Avengers uh, was an interesting case because it was a series about a team of uh, heroes made up of Avengers and X-Men, and they decided, hey, let's just mix things up uh, and have that reflected in, in real life. And so uh, they put me, the X-Men editor, um, alongside Tom Brevoort, an Avengers editor, and had us work together on this book. And so, uh, obviously, Rick, Rick Remender, who's the writer of both Uncanny Avengers and Access, has sort of been compiling the story for almost two years now, right? Yeah, we've been working our way up to it for a while now. So people wanted to start the backstory. Like, so here's the thing. If you really, really, really want to get into it, um, Rick's stories uh, tend to be these huge tapestries that he weaves over time. Um, and so if you want to get every single payoff, then start all the way back at, at, I mean, frankly, you could go all the way back to Uncanny X-Force if you wanted, but even Uncanny Avengers number one, which is fine. There's like 25 issues of that series that you can catch up on. Um, but what's nice about Axis, um, you know, as we were working on the story in Uncanny Avengers, we realized, hey, there could actually be a thing here that we could pop out of the series and make... Um, a really cool, fun event. Um, and that's what we did. We made Axis because uh, it stands alone. The concept is really fun and straightforward. And we decided, well, let's separate it from Uncanny Avengers. And you can jump in right with Axis 1 and, uh, and get a good ride. And it's also shipping incredibly fast. Indeed, incredibly fast. Um, yes, over the course of, what is it, October, November, December, we're doing three issues in each month, which is pretty rigorous. <laughs> um, as a result, uh, luckily, I mean... The upside of that is that you get to work with a lot of creators over a short amount of time. And so to help us with this crazy shipping schedule, uh, we have, I mean, Adam Kubert, Terry Dodson, Lionel Yu. Um, I'm probably forgetting many, many people. Jim Chung, going to wrap Jim it all up for us. Jim Chung nine. is coming on for, for the finale issue, issue number nine, yeah. Um, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool to see a lot of these big artists come together on a book and jam as well on the same story. So this is a big deal. And for anyone who's listening that isn't familiar so much with the world of comic books in general, Axis is a name of an event that's happening um, over the comic books in the Marvel Universe. So that's what, Axis is an event. And then we have titles that are called Axis as well. So um, that's, in case you are following the news as well, we announced a Secret Wars event. So 
that's what what these are. They're they're big events or things that happen in the Marvel universe that span over um, most of the comic book. Yeah, typically when we say um, that a book is an event or an event book, um, that generally means that it's a story that has a bigger scope than any one title could possibly contain. And so, for example, this story, you won't just see characters that appear in Avengers or just in X-Men. You see all of them all coming together in one book um, where they all fight each other, fight villains, um, do cool stuff that affects the entire Marvel Universe, not just the world that any one book occupies. Yeah, obviously, uh, as this is uh, almost a weekly book, um, this is going to be going live on Friday, and the, just previously, I think, episode uh, issue four went out live, so you can pick that up. So, But so many things are happening as you read. You're like, oh, man, they just like threw this character in and this character in, and it's really definitely a cross event. Um, if you're reading any book in the Marvel Universe, uh, the character that you probably love is in this book. So, you know, definitely, and it's what they're doing in the book is going to impact their overall storyline in their own individual books. The premise of the event, uh, the book is called Axis, and it's purposely um, called that for a number of reasons. I mean, we have our core Avengers at the heart of it, and some, and also a, a core team of villains. Um, and initially, uh, it, there's a question as to, okay, these heroes and villains, what are they all doing occupying the same book? Um, and the assumption is, okay, well, it's going to be a smackdown for the ages. But I think the fun of this book really comes in after the first act, where um, the big real premise is revealed, uh, where you get heroes who are more or less acting as villains and villains acting as heroes. And that gives birth to a whole bunch of other stories that you see across a number of other titles, um, like Axis Hobgoblin or Axis Carnage, where you get to see um, characters acting in ways that they really normally wouldn't. So the world is turned over on its axis. Yeah, Adri. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> Let's quote Asia Cohen on this. <laughs> it's a wide-spanning event where you a lot of different people in a lot of different places, um, and they're all going to come together soon, but in uh, particularly in issue number one, uh, we're, we're sort of setting a really big stage here. And it sort of all surrounds the Red Skull. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So the Red Skull, he's been on this mission, uh, basically, I mean, he, he back in the day he was a Nazi, and now his mission has sort of evolved past that, but has, has you know, its roots in that, where he believes in the superiority of humankind and wants to get rid of the mutants. Um, and so to, to, to do this, to start his war, uh, what he did first is he harvested the brain of the deceased X-Men founder, Professor Xavier, and grafted it onto his own, so he now has the tremendous psychic powers that Professor Xavier possessed. Um, and so in Uncanny Avengers, he did terrible things with those psychic powers and caused people to riot and hate and, and, and you know, act out against the mutants. Um, and more or less at the start of this book, and you see this in, the, in this issue, he does that on a global scale. That's the inciting incident, is that he broadcasts hate across the world, the Avengers start biting at one another, and then they realize, oh, something's going down. And and then we flash to Genosha where that's really where stuff is going down. The Red Skull has, has ascended into this terrifying new form, the Red Onslaught, and he's broadcasting hate across across the world, and that's how all of our heroes get folded in their Avengers and X-Men. They decide, okay, we got to stop them. So the Red Skull has a new brain. Well, he's got his own brain, his old <laughs> brain, but he also has Professor Xavier's brain. So, so it's he's like, like Freaky Friday. He's like two brains in one. Well, it's not like he and Jamie Lee Curtis swap bodies. <laughs> right, he just has two brains now. Right. Right. Because Charles and Xavier I can imagine dead. a hilarious 80s sitcom. Like, oh, hilarity ensues. Two brains in one body. No? They're like roommates. <laughs> They're like roommates. Whatever. Like the odd couple, kind of. 
Clearly, the boys are not going in with our typically ridiculous women of Marvel spiel. Yeah, they're all too serious. What is this podcast? (laughs) I'm on board. It's like all of me with Steve Martin. Yes. uh, Or the man with two brains, also with Steve Martin. Oh. So, really, (laughs) we need to get Steve Martin to play Red Skull, I guess. Clarity doesn't with that. So that's something to look forward to in this one. Um, Who are some other prevalent characters that fans can look forward to reading about as Axis gets... Or is it a secret? No, I mean, because it's the full spectrum, the full range of Avengers and X-Men, I mean, you see a bunch of each. So you see our new um, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, uh, Vision, your favorite character, Vision. I just mentioned him because he's on the page. He's, I mean, <laughs> um, And then, of course, a bunch of X-Men. Havoc, Cyclops, Storm, Rogue, Scarlet Witch. Um, they're all over the place. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun characters from all walks of the Marvel universe, and and obviously Scarlet Witch is like a, a big piece of the, the story as we move forward. She is uh, in Uncanny Avengers. The Red Skull wanted Scarlet Witch because she has these awesome reality warping powers. And he was like, "Hey, what easier way to wipe mankind off the face of the earth than just have Scarlet Witch do it with her magic mumbo jumbo?" Um, and so he tries to do that again at the very beginning of this issue. Um, and I won't give anything away, but some stuff happens and. That's how we end up in the cool situation we end up in later. Yeah, she is part of the big inciting incident of the story. Tell me about this uh, really cool sentinel design at the well, that we see at the end. Yes, uh, at the end of issue number one, uh, we see the Stark Sentinels, which uh, is a really cool idea that Rick came up with, where uh, back during the events of Civil War, Tony, uh, the Marvel Civil War, not the American Civil War, <laughs> Uh, Tony Stark uh, came up with some contingency plans in case they ever needed to deal with any of the heroes of the Marvel Universe going bad or going rogue. And so he, one of the parts of those plans were to create Stark Sentinels, uh, which were Sentinels that were specially designed to take care of heroes. Sentinels being robots that had been built to hunt mutants. Uh, and, and very big uh, X-Men villains. So... Uh, he had this idea. He said, "All right, well, this will be our big reveal at the end. Is that uh, somehow Red Skull has gotten his hand on some of these Stark Sentinels? Hadn't really been designed, so that was something that you know, when a script, a writer, or particularly when you're working with somebody like Adam Kubert, uh, who's just an incredible artist. Uh, you know, I, with these events, as we were talking about what events were earlier, uh, the way I think about it typically is your your regular comic book is a TV series." Um, it's got a a big overarching story, it sort of goes on for years, it's a soap opera. An event tends to be more of a movie, it's a big summer blockbuster, so our events are going to be even more big and visual and dynamic than our our standard book would be. We're really going to throw everything at the wall. So you get a guy like Adam Kubert who can do that no problem, and you give him something like a Stark Sentinel, where you say, okay, it's a Sentinel, but it's designed by Tony Stark, it's designed to take out superheroes. You give that to a guy like Adam, He'll come back with something that's really interesting. And what he's done here is he's sort of combined the big blocky mech figure that's a typical Sentinel with Tony Stark. So you see uh, hints of Iron Man there and the color schemes and the repulsors. Uh, there's all these sort of elements that are both Sentinel and Stark. Uh, so it's a real interesting combination, something that uh, uh, then the rest of the artists can pick up and play with in the event. Because in an event like this, uh, particularly one shipping as fast as this one is, we got a bunch of different artists. So they all know each other. Comics is a fairly small community, particularly guys at this level. Uh, they tend to be fans of each other. They're talking to each other. 
So we've got Adam Kubert working on these two issues, and at the same time, we'll have um, you know Terry Dodson uh, or or Lanial, uh working on a issue in the future. And so something that shows up on the last page of this issue could show up on the first page of one of their issues. So these guys will talk back and forth. Oh, has anyone designed those Stark Sentinels yet? I need them for this book. Adam might say, oh, I haven't gotten to those yet, but let me get to those now so I can give you those designs. Or they might say, hey, I'm not going to be there for a while. They're all over your issue. You go for it, you know. Uh, and they'll sort of coordinate back and forth and feed off of each other's ideas, um, which is real interesting. You know, it's sort of like... If you've ever done those uh, uh, exquisite corpse drawings or stories where one person starts it and then hides everything except a little bit of the last one and another person comes and takes it on and you get this real interesting creation that's uh, parts of a bunch of different people uh, and how they play together and you see, you know, um, you see the flavors of Lanial run into the flavors of Adam Kubert and, and they play off of each other in real interesting ways. Um, so you get a lot of real interesting sort of dynamic art in these events, which is one of the coolest things about showing up and reading these and working on them. Well, we are super excited to keep reading this series. It's just a big, exciting, like you said, it's a blockbuster, all these characters coming together, some really cool new designs. Um, so where we're on issue four. Yes, but you can week. also pick up, um, obviously, one through three. Uh, I know, start from the beginning. You don't even have to wait. Um, instead of having to wait week after week, uh, you can just jump right in, get the first four issues now all at once, and five is coming down the pike real fast. You can um, actually read them digitally as well um, at the comic shop on marvel.com. Um, just download them, and you can read them right on your mobile device or on your desktop. Um, and yeah, what's the, what's the date? It's coming out every... It's uh, three times a month. It's three, three times, times a month. month. Okay, yeah, yeah. wow. So it's, yep, the first three weeks of November, you get issues four, five, and six. Fantastic. And then another seven, eight, and nine, and it ends in uh, December. Yeah. Correct. Well, thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Yay. Thanks for coming. Anytime, Sana. <laughs> this is Marvel, your universe.